June 29, 2017. This is the Hermetic Hour. I'm your host, Pope Runyon. And tonight we present a symposium on the topic of assumption of God and goddess forms in magical ceremonies. Our call-in guests will include Frater Heracles, John Sheffield, whose new rituals and articles suggested the topic, Soror Urania and Finnan, whose Celtic church, the Roebuck, has been doing these kind of operations for years, Soror Ariel, Joe Carson of Veriferia, who will be presenting a Lamas Rite at, here at Rivendell in August, if you would like to attend this meeting of the minds on the subject of being God and goddess-like, tune in, stay with us, and we shall bring the heavens down to earth. And that said, um, I know that, uh, that Lady Ann Finnan is on, that's Sister Urania, and uh, let's see, as... Uh, now, let's find out if Frater Heracles is, is on board. Uh, John, are you there? I'm here. Frater Heracles, here? I'm here. I'm here. Can you hear oh, me? Oh, good. Oh, excellent. Good. That's good. And now, now let me... Uh, and uh, Lady Lady Joe, are you uh, are you there? Yes, I am. Oh, good. All right. Uh, now, this, this, uh, this show actually got inspired by Frater Heracles... And he uh, he started off with an email uh, started off with an email to me uh, on the 28th in which he described this this idea of uh, our personifying assuming God and goddess forms in our seasonal ceremonies and uh, he has uh, you know he since then he, he's got a, a wonderful description of all the methods. Uh, John, do you have a copy of that letter that you that you sent me, June? Now it's June twenty second, actually, that you sent it. Uh, and when when you started up, said I'm writing you today and to attempt to explain what we discussed last night over the phone, dealing with Franz Barton's initiation into Hermetics Chapter Eight, the act of creation, particularly methods three and four, uh, and how it relates so well to our seasonals and invocation operations. Do you have a copy of that of that letter right in front of you? Well, I don't have it right in front of me, but I, I do have it. Uh, you know, it, it's it's been buzzing around my head all day. Um, well, let uh, me uh, let, let me read a bit of it. Let me read a bit of it, and then you can then you can kind of kind of extrapolate on the rest of it. I don't want to read the you know the whole thing's pretty long, uh, but uh, I, I, I'll read I'll read a little bit of it. Then I just read the first paragraph. In the whole section of the act of creation, Barden divides four ways or methods to create an astral elementary. Part one and two discusses the rules for making the elementary using simulacrums and statues and loading them with elemental energy and fluid, fluid condensers. And uh, these should be read to get the whole gist of the section. Of course, however, uh, what I see in methods three and four is Remarkable, it bears a remarkable resemblance to what we do in seasonal and educational rites. And before we get into discussing these methods, I want to make myself clear. I don't believe we are creating an elementary when we are using these methods in our Canaanite, uh, for our Canaanite deities. I believe that the spirits of the deities are immortal because they represent immortal ideas. But what each magician needs to do is to create an astral elemental body for the deity to possess 
or come down from above and given a body so as to be more accessible to the magician's consciousness. And the more energy these after bodies receive through our attentive worship or prayer, the better able the deity will be uh, when set the task by the evocation rite. Now, the deity's after body can possess a physical form such as the Lamen uh, with its sigil or a statue or a painting, and in method three, Bard uses small metal Lamen with the entity's sigil engraved on it, much like the Goetia seal. Now, in the rest of this article, you're showing the similarities between uh, this and, and not only our Goetic evocation, but also our seasonal ceremonies. And this you know, as I said, this uh, evolves uh, through a series of your uh, your writings here, uh, and, uh, drawing on on uh, our you know what we already do plus uh, Barden and then Barden's source, which is Alexander David Neal's Magic and Mystery in Tibet, uh, which is very well very well worth reading, and uh, and. So what we end up with is uh, you, you have a you have a, a right of assumption for uh, the goddess Astarte and for for the god Baal uh, to, apparently to precede their their uh, their use in the seasonals. Uh, I pointed out to you all over the phone when we discussed this that uh, that the Roebuck, uh, our sister uh, uh, Wicca. Well, I don't know whether we should call the robot a wicker coven or not. Uh, I think it's it's it's, uh, it's 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 Celtic, it's Celtic wicker, and 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 and, and, and sister Uranians are better to explain that what it is. But but it's uh, they have a very similar process, which I want, uh, which I'd like uh, Lady Anne to describe to us. Anyway. The idea, and also, too, there's one more thing that I mentioned, is that we had an experience this last seasonal, we just did Adonia, and uh, and uh, Frater Sithmeth, uh, Max, he did ball, he played ball, you know, did the drink with me thing and the whole business, and then I came in as moat and cut him down, but... Uh, I didn't cut him down, and that, that didn't cut him down enough because after the seasonal, he was he was really he was ball for the rest of the evening and the rest of the next day, and and he was fun. He was philosophizing, and he was he was just he was just uh, it was almost like you know almost like tell my horse in in, in Vudan, and uh, so uh, this is this is a very uh, a very good subject because. Uh, quite frankly, uh, uh, John Hercule, we we need to we need to inject more magic into the seasonals and make use of them in in a magical sense. Uh, so, with that in mind, uh, um, uh, Lady Anne, would you uh, would you uh, kind of give, uh, give us an idea of? Of what you uh, what you folks do in in 1734 with the uh, with the uh, uh, designated person who takes the uh, form of the god or the goddess, would, would you hold, kind sure. of hold forth on that? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> uh, I want to uh, to start out here with uh, with the kudos to uh, to you and to your audience that this is that uh, we learned it from you. 
uh, or at least we we got the idea from from our work with the uh, the OTA yards and yards ago. And um, even though we we use a a, a different uh, preparation ritual, we we basically uh, got the the idea of doing this from from our work with the OTA. Um, but our approach to it is a little different. For one thing, um, being being pagans and being a priesthood as well as a magical lodge, we uh, uh, we actually do the assumption of God form as a as a religious rite. And what we will do sometimes is uh, the the priest or priestess uh, initiate priest or priestess will uh, will do will provide a body for for one of our gods patron gods goddesses and and uh allow a um uh a visitor in the circle or or congregation if you will although they're not always regular attendees uh to interact with with the the deity in question um ask questions get answers uh uh Hold hands, uh, receive a touch, receive uh, you know the the laying on of hands on the on the the crown of the head and, and all the things that uh, uh, one would get from from a a deity that was actually in physical form. It's uh, uh, it's it's a different focus because instead of of it being a a ritual for um, for a group of of initiate magicians it's it's a priesthood right and we use it as a kind of a of an initiation test if uh if the the if the candidate for initiation is able to open up and trust the the deity that uh, they've just spent a year getting to know then um then it becomes kind of a of of a of, of a test you know can you open up and trust uh, these uh, entities enough to allow them to take over your body for a time, and uh, uh, it's it's a very very strange feeling. You're kind of off to the side, watching your body being taken over by a god or goddess, and and hearing words come out of your mouth that you have no idea, you know, what you're saying or why and and usually it turns out to be the exact thing that whoever you're speaking to needs to hear. If it's an oracle, if it's a word of comfort, if it's some kind of, of message. Um, and, uh, and you're off to the side thinking, what the heck is going on with that? But it's the exact thing that whoever is, is interacting with the goddess or God needs to hear. And it's an amazing experience. Uh, but uh, it's it's the same kind of thing that that the OTA does in its lodge, but it's 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 well, so what, what we do with what we do with angels when we're doing uh, very we're much doing so, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's an extrapolation of the channeling process. Uh, oh, and, it's very uh, much so. Yeah. Yeah. But it's providing a yeah. physical form for for a god or goddess for a uh, someone who is not an initiate or someone who is not even, you know, part of the circle to interact with. And uh I'm very profound experience. 
Well, in this particular case that, that we're describing tonight, uh, let me ask you this, uh, you know, because what we would do uh, and what John's written up here uh, is, is a preliminary to the seasonal. Correct me if I'm wrong, John. You want, you, you, you were thinking a start date uh, would assume the goddess form and then and then do the seasonal in the in the with in possessed uh, or 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 in uh, imbued with the uh, with the goddess spirit. Is that correct? Um. <clears throat> Right, that would uh, we load up a draft on uh, assuming the god form to the seasonal uh, for both yeah. and the star day. Um, again, there's work in progress, but uh, you came up with a you came up with the idea that we should probably have the uh, ritualists prior to the seasonal. Yeah, let me let me let me point out a couple of things here. Just uh, just technical uh, uh, situations here that we have to deal with. If what having having attended some 1734 ceremonies where this where what what uh, or what Anna is talking about uh, occurs, we don't have. I didn't recall the the entity taking any part in the ritual beforehand. All I uh, recall is going around, waiting, waiting around in a circular, you know, around the line in a circle uh, for uh, an audience with the with, with the entity that is enthroned at one end of the circle. And and but I don't recall uh, this being at the climax of the of the well, maybe it is the climax of the ceremony, but I don't recall. Uh, the entity doing any performance beforehand, uh, and and then taking the throne position, and then and then holding court. Uh, and uh, Lady Anna, is that the case, or does or, or does the person who is uh, who is uh, holding forth and as the god or the goddess, do they do any any ritual work uh, first before they do that? They do, but it tends to be private, and it tends to be more of a personal preparation. Ah, uh, usually right. it's one of these uh, 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 either spending the night in the temple or some kind of, of uh, uh, like a, a pre, uh, pre-ritual cleansing bath or, or some kind of, of – uh, yeah. And it is very personal. It's very it's something that yeah. Well, you that, see, uh, they do uh, with yeah, with someone. Right. What this, so it's what not this part. Is, it's not what, part what, yeah. of, a, of a of a rich of a set ritual. It's not part of a play. No, it's not. Yeah, that, yeah. yeah right. That that's it. So so we have we have set rituals and and uh, you know and and, and lines which are uh, the usual. You know, it's it's the usual uh, the same rule you know that we have in in uh, in, in 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 scottish rite that, that if, if if you're sitting down you can read it if you're on the floor you better memorize it and and so you know and we have a set ritual uh for the seasonal so i'm i'm thinking that that uh that uh if we get somebody out there uh, that's possessed. They're not going to. They may not. They may not have the same. They, they may not. They, the god and goddess may not have the same script that we have written for them. You know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> well, you take that so chance. We, you know, when you're turning yeah, turning the, yeah, the, yeah, the thing over to somebody else. You know, they may not follow the script and come out with something that mm-hmm. uh, yeah. uh, embarrasses everybody. Uh, yeah. But uh, I think you can do it if you if you have people. 
who are willing to again do the 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 preparatory work uh you can yes. use the uh uh the script the the lines as uh-huh. as a kind of a, of an invocation in of itself i mean you're uh you Absolutely. can use it to sort of get into the part and uh uh, if you know the lines well enough, I mean this this happens yeah. in in good theater, uh, I know. where you 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 have some you have an actor that that is so that knows the lines so well that that it's they use the 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 lines of the script to literally invoke the the character of of the play. I mean you yeah, and, yeah, and you, I, can, I agree. you can sure I, tell I you know when that happens. Yeah, I think it'll work, and and and, uh, and and yet at the same time, I really do agree with John that 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 uh, that we need to we need to have the people that are playing the parts, we need to have them more into actually doing it. Especially I, after what Max Max the other night, uh, I, I, I enjoyed that so much. You know, I, and he was absolutely <laughs> wonderful. He was cute as a bug. I want to take him home. <laughs> <laughs> he was just great, and, <laughs> but he, yeah, and, it was, but, it was uh, wonderful. And but then, if you've got and and uh, uh, poor old Kristen, blessed her heart, you know, with her little three by five cards. Um, mm-hmm. It's uh, some people are going to be good at this, and some people aren't. And you know, it's it's a you know, it's like anything else. It's it's a talent. And some people well, are going to be able to to do it just right out, right out, right out of the gate. And some people will never be able Astarte, to do it well. Yeah. Start you know, no matter what cards they do. because she 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 filled in at the last minute. Uh, our, oh, okay. Uh, the, yeah, yeah, she had to because she that was well, last minute okay. in. You know, I think she did fine for for a last minute you know thing. Sure. And and and, uh, I'm, and I'm not the general. I mean, you know, they said the general rule is if you're sitting down, you can read it. If you're standing up, you better know it, and and uh, that does. But but I no, I agree. I I, I think uh, the John. And I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to uh, to shoot your your thing down here. I, but I am saying that that I that that I think we need to maintain the integrity of the of the of the uh, the, uh, the season at the same time that we have the entity. Uh, of course, we're always going to run into this problem that that, that somebody's going to somebody's going to uh, go let it go to their head and, and and all that. And I've been thinking too, along with this line, that masks that masks for the principal characters might not be a bad idea. Symbolic ceremonial masks that would de- depersonalize it, uh, you know, and 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 all. Uh, what do you what do you guys think about that idea? Well, I think it's a great idea because what you do is you uh uh the act of putting on the mask can be part of your preparation for, for mm-hmm. getting into the into the the uh into the character of the of the whoever you're playing in the in the ritual. And um uh as, you know, in the in the Greek mysteries and the plays that that they used to put on and the Greek mysteries, they, um, you know, they had very, very few actors, and they, they had, uh, if they didn't have uh, an Astarte, they'd have to grab one of the the uh, handmaidens from uh, some other scene and.
stick a mask on her and ta-da, instant gun. Yeah. It's, uh, uh, yeah. But then for them, it was like like any other traveling players. I mean, they they probably knew the the play so well that they could they could play all the parts without without a problem. I mean, these were people that did this oh, yeah. for a living. I mean, like some of these, and, like some of these, yeah, like some of these people in the Sonic Lodges that know, that know their role so well that they can take any chair. In fact, uh, uh, the Prince Hall Masonry, our, our black masons, uh, uh, the jurisdiction, they they used to show off, and they they'd invite the they, they'd invite the white masons over, and they'd show us, and they'd all and they and they then they'd go from chair to chair all the way around the lodge, and everybody would do all the roles. Well, <laughs> they, sure, and they'd show yeah, us, show us, yeah, we know the we know the work. <laughs> do you know it this well? And of course, we didn't, you know, but. Anyway, yeah, John. John, uh, uh, let's let's talk about uh, uh, talk about Barden and and and, and David Neal and the Udoms and the and the, and, and the uh, I'm, I'm having trouble figuring out a way to pronounce this this mandala. This is it. Uh, the Klykors. The Klykors. A Klykor. Yes. Yeah. Well, anyway, describe it for us, please, and and and, and let's and let's talk about this a little bit. Well. My my whole point for writing the letter um, was to find a way to magically link the seasonals that we do to an evocation right to the temple, through the use of uh, the poetic layman's that we make for the evocation rites. I was thinking and have actually been doing uh, having the actors playing bail and start to wear the sigils and bail during the seasonals, but, um, you know, I, I came across uh, Barden's uh, act of creation team, step eight, um, methods three and four, where he describes a uh, quote-unquote secret Tibetan, uh, utilized their mandalas. Uh, one is the, the great Kukor, which is, uh, he, he has as a circle and an octagon within the circle. And then you have a small door, which is a metal layman or a metal disc to etch the sigil of the entity that you're going to create. And he said later that the Tibetans actually, instead of drawing it on paper, would have a uh, an eight-stone hinge uh, representing the four elements, passive and, and active, um, you know, which are uh, obviously the the cross quarters and the relaxes and the pulses. So um, the, the Tibetans, you'd say, would you know, have this great tour, which is a stone hinge of eight, eight uh, hinges, just like the ark. And then they would have this uh, mandala um, that you would make probably out of sand or out of, you know, drawing or whatever, but he, he guys out of metal. And you would put the in the the daily sigil on the small cleaver, and uh, so the the layman had to be inside the the great cleaver, which would balance the elements, and then through uh, active visualization and, and movement of the energies of the elements, you can then shape a form and uh, create an, an, uh, an entity that's attached to the layman. That through a ritual, uh, 
later you take the layman and call forth the entity that you created and, and how to do things. Uh, John, you you're, sounding, you're, you're sounding awfully muffled. Yeah, 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 the chat room people say they're they're having trouble understanding you. What Are you on your cell phone? Yes, I am. Why don't you call in on the landline and we'll put you back on, okay? All right. Okay, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Pick you up again on the landline, please. Okay, look, uh, Lady Joe, uh, you, you uh, emailed uh, just uh, before the show and were describing something about the peripherian uh, uh, right that kind of resembles what we're talking about. Do you want to talk about that a bit? Sure. Um, every year we do a Lamas uh, presentation, which includes the uh, appearance of Aphrodite. And she is, you know, we establish sacred space. We're always outdoors when we do this. And usually it's in the hands that we have right here at our place in Northern California. Um, although we'll be doing it down at Rivendell at your place, um, coming right up this beginning of August, which I'm really looking forward to. Um, but at any rate, um, how it works is we open the sun door, the moon door, and we call in the, the great phase of the quadrant invite them to join us. Everybody visualizes they're sliding down into the world between worlds. And uh, we do some prayers and invocations for the goddess and the god, Kori and Kuros. And, uh, and then we focus specifically on Aphrodite, and we start calling Aphrodite and describing in kind of, you know, a hypnotic way who is Aphrodite and what she does for us and kind of, you know, singing these songs and calling with these chants. And it sets up this expectation that she will appear. And Lo and behold, she does, in fact, appear. Um, and we're fortunate that we've got kind of almost, you could call it like a stage. It's just a little bit raised off, off the ground, but there's curtains, you know, that are there. And so she appears from behind the curtains. And um, the thing which you were talking about earlier is, you know, how does this person who is embodying, in our case, Aphrodite, how do they prepare? Um, and, and I think that, like Anne said, it, it varies from individual to individual, but generally speaking, there's a process that they separate themselves from everyone else. They purify themselves. It might be with just smudging or it might be with a bath or some spritzing of some kind of an essence um, that puts them in that mood. And then there's a period of time where there's like a quiet meditation with usually some kind of breath control and prayers, okay? And then at that point, when they hear themselves being called as Aphrodite, they allow that mantra, Aphrodite is here, that comes into them. Aphrodite is here, Aphrodite is here. And when they feel full of Aphrodite, then they open the curtains and appear to the group. And there's that moment where you step through the curtains and become Aphrodite. So that's a symbolic, you know, physical thing in the real world that sort of makes it real. And, so then when she appears, she always gives blessings to each person in the circle. It's a, sort of a channeled blessing, right, that goddess is coming through her. And as Anne, I think, said, they always seem to be so appropriate for each person. Each individual person seems to get the perfect blessing for themselves. And then we always honor Aphrodite with a dance because she lends herself to that. And, um, and you know, usually she's not wearing a mask. Sometimes Aphrodite will even appear topless but we have a very private backyard, so it's been, you know, fine. Um, and, uh, but it seems to add to the power of the event. And, um, and then it's sort of a reverse process. She gives us her thanks for, you know, the blessings and, the, you know, for our 
dance for her, and then she disappears behind the curtain. And um, again, we, you know, we send her on her way with blessings. Um, so this is this happens every Lamas. We're gonna it'll happen again for the Lamas that we're coming up with down for you there at Rivendell. Um, so that's a real you know powerful apparition of the goddess. Um, it works very well. There are some other ways in which we. Um, you know, contact divinity, but I don't know if you want me to go into that right now. Uh, well, actually, let me check and see if John's back on. John, are you back on here on uh, on, on the landline? Are you there? I'm here. Can you hear me better? Yeah, yeah. It sounds a little better. So, so uh, why don't we, uh, you know, why don't we talk about, uh, uh, you know, we we started talking about the uh, the uh, Martin and and his uh, and, and his. Uh, and his use of uh, Alexander David Neal's material. Uh, I wanted to point out that the Arrhenius which of course we have on a, as the you know the the top plate on the altar, and the Arrhenius also is is in the center of the of our rose cross, and we use it similar to the way the Golden Dawn uses their rose cross, their petals. We use the we use the spheres of the uh, you know of the sphere and create sigils. And you were talking about, as I recall in your article, you were talking about using those sigils uh, to connect <clears throat> to the god to the gods and the goddesses. But uh, the, the, you know we have we have these, uh, and I think I have some of them on uh, in the first yoga book. You know for the for the Canaanite uh, god forms. Using those sigils off of that, off of that, any uh, spirit in the center of the rose cross, uh, tying all this in, of course. Then, then too, you suggested we use the lamens for Balanastarte that we use in Goetia to call forth Balanastarte as Baal and Astaroth, and that we actually that we should have the the. the I think it's just a wonderful idea, and I don't know why we haven't done it before. Is to have. Uh, the people playing Balanastarte in the seasonals, wearing those same laments that we use, that we use to uh, connect them with the with the Galatia. I think that's a that's a great idea, and and it should well, definitely be done. I, if, yeah. yeah, go ahead. If I could, if I could, exp- it's kind of like a, a a train of thought that starts with this idea that you know, the, uh, in order to create an elemental astral body. For a spirit to reside in, there's a technique that Tibetans use, which he, of course, got from the magic and mystery in Tibet from Alexander David Neal, who is a fascinating uh, character in history as it is. Um, you know, she was uh, one of the first ladies into the that snuck into the Forbidden City in Tibet. You know, and wrote a whole bunch of books to, about. Uh, Buddhism, but well, nobody understood anything about Tibet. I mean, it was a real gem to even for me to even discover that uh, this lady was like the the women's version of Richard Burton. You know, um, yeah, Richard Burton. I was going to say that. Yeah, yeah, and she, yeah, more, she, more, she more, Richard she, Burton, she more Richard Burton all, than Indiana Jones. Yeah, yeah, right. And she went and she, you know, had all these guys that would take her around and show her all these rituals. Now, modern uh, Buddhists would say that she didn't have all her information accurate, but um, the, the, you know, Barden did obviously read her book, and 
it discusses a, an eight stone hinge, which is very similar to our octagon hinge. We use the eight, eight um, points. And uh, within that, he says, you take a layman with a, with a entity's sigil and then through concentrated visualization and, and energy use uh, or energy, um, you know, work that you build up a body astrally for, an elemental to um, to formulate, and in method four, he's like, or you can do, instead of building up an astral body, just have a, a an entire image created for your your deity or your in, entity, and uh, and this this operation has to be repeated over and over again. Um, yeah. Which is what we do. We, you know, it's very important that we do the seasonals over and over again to build up these astral forms for the magician yeah. to connect consciously to the the entity. But what we're not doing, what we haven't done in the past, is actually using these uh, laymans that we'd use for the evocation, right? Because he's saying after you have charged up the the layman, yeah. which is connected to the entity, is that uh, that layman is now uh, a part of. It's like the physical anchor of the uh, the astral body of the entity that you 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 know have created. Now, in his example, he's using a fire. In in his example, he's using a fire elemental. Of course, what we're doing would be to create an astral body for a deity to reside in, and the layman would be a, a physical anchor for the uh, astral body. Now, what we could do is, you know, during the seasonals is is uh, use the layman uh, that we'd use for the evocation rites, whether it's the one, the sigil out of the Goetia or if it's a sigil that we create off of the Rose Cross, it's really up to the magician's choice. You know, um, every person that uses the Goetia sigil out of the Megaton, you know, is going to have uh, the energy associated with that sigil, you know, with all the people that have used it throughout so many uh, hundreds of years. Uh, yeah. One uh, based of, off of our Enneosphere, um, I don't know, it might be a, a more pure essence for our order. We could actually have our own order laymans rather than using uh, the, the I, traditional. I mean, you could use one or the other. It really doesn't I, matter. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I think or, or both. Uh, yeah, actually, I think that you're 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 really really uh, onto something here, and we should have been doing this. We should have been doing this a long time ago. And and uh, the, the, re- know, the reason for it is that it, he he takes the layman after he's charged it into in the hinge, just takes it and he uses it. He says, set up a ritual that you can then evoke the spirit from the yeah. layman and have it. Uh, Actually, uh, you know, do things for you, and, and that's not necessarily. Well, it recharges. It, it, it charges do, the like, it, It's a yeah, charging. It charges the charging the, procedure. Right. Yeah. And that's what led. Yeah. That's what led into the idea. You know that um, we should be assuming the god forms uh, to to charge these laymans to make these uh, laymans much more powerful. That's kind of what led into the assumption of the god form conversation. And then, you know, we were like, we need to have this uh, preliminary exercises to uh, assume Baal and Astarte or Tanit or whomever uh, through, you know, some kind of a ritual, preliminary ritual that we could uh, have the actors uh, uh, become, you know, more connected to their role. I don't necessarily think that 
doing a, a preliminary. I mean, I mean, if, if you really get possessed, then yeah, it could get uncont- you know, uncontrollable. But a, 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 a light hypnotic uh, possession ritual is, I don't think, is going to affect the seasonal rise. You're, you're kind of like hesitant on whether the, the actors could actually function after a possession type ritual. And I guess it depends on if the ritual. I is think like, they can. Yeah, I think they can. Well, listen to this. I, I, I think that. That what you can do with that with the Lebin thing, I think it's I think it adds another dimension to to your your seasonal. So that by the the very act of putting on the Lebin as a starte or as ball, uh, reminds the the actor that this isn't just a role they're playing in a play. Exactly. That this is exactly. that they I are totally that. they are performing I... a sacred function. They are doing basically what we do and what what Joe Carson is is uh describing in in a a more uh uh structured way but and look uh, at it this way put, look uh, and look at it this way the, everybody everybody that uh, that puts on that lament the the previous time they put it on was in the temple when they were looking in the mirror at the at the entity that they're that they're personifying right so right. Yeah, yeah. So you're tying them into their original contact, you know, and that that this is what this is immediately what strikes me is is why it's a terrific idea, and I can't figure out why, and I'm kicking myself for not not uh, for not realizing it before you know before John has had you know John's re- <laughs> has has uh, I feel like John's reminding me something of something I should have known a long time ago. And, uh, and, well, and you know, with, the, with the assu- with the assumption ritual, you know, I you asked me, you know, I figured out something to do with the assumption of the God form ritual, and I, I was like, well, what we could do is we get out there and open up the hinge, and you know, open it up with a pentagram, septagram to Yasad, and then have them take a boat working to the the Baal temple or the ziggurat and go in and just uh show the the lament to the Baal and then switch places with him in in light, you know, and the same thing with Astarte. You have the um lady playing Astarte go to the temple of Natzak and mm. you know, she takes a boat working to to the temple of Natzak, she goes and sees Astarte and and has a little inter- interaction with it and then you switch places and then and then they're dressed up as uh, field and vine, right? And they're yeah. doing this, and then they 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 take that off, and then put put the put the uh, the robes, or put put the uh, costume, the helmet on uh, for Bail. You know, when when he actually yeah. switches places, he takes the, the vine mask off and puts the Bail helmet on, or where she takes the vine crown off and she puts the the Sarte crown on, and that way it's like this uh, the switch from being the priest and priestess to uh, the God and God form, which they're going to then perform uh, later that night. But again, <clears throat> this was just uh, a first draft on, on those. Uh, yeah. On that. Yeah. I, 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 I read through it, but I, and, and I, I, we may not, we may not have time to read through those, uh, those tonight, but I'm glad you summarized it because the ideas are good. Let's talk a little more about uh, this idea, this whole idea of 
of making the gods. And, I, and I, I'm going to hold forth a little bit on this because, uh, you know, I went through about a year of the Tibetan work with the uh, with Tibetans. And, and, and one of the things that they do is they, and they, 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 they kind of fudge a little bit on this, they they like to they like to give you the idea that well we don't create the gods uh, but 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 we want you to and and so they have these elaborate tankas you know uh, pictures of the gods uh, with four arms and you know or sometimes sometimes uh, twenty five arms or twenty twenty seven arms twenty eight arms or whatever uh, and 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 you're supposed to imagine. You're supposed to create this, these forms in your imagination. Well, by creating these forms in your imagination, uh, or painting a tonka or whatever you do, you are actually creating that form for the deity to inhabit and come to you in a vision. And and uh, exactly. so all this business. Yeah, right. And and so all this business about well. Uh, you know the gods are eternal. Uh, these these gods are eternal, and these these pictures are just what they are, or what they're they're like. No, well somebody had to create them to begin with, and and uh, and and so and you recreate them every time you you imagine or every time you redraw them uh, or imagine them. You you're recreating them. You're giving them a form, and you're giving them a, a, a visionary a visionary form to inhabit. And, you know, Hermes Trismegistus said that the gods of the heavens are eternal and, the, and man creates the gods of the earth sphere. We create the gods and, 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 uh, and all of those, all of those uh, Malakalas and Dakinis and, and uh, you know, and, and the, different, uh, the different Tibetan gods that, that they get from, you know, some of them they get from Bunpo, and some of them they get from uh, from Hinduism, and then some of them uh, some of them are uh, native Buddhists. But they but they all they, they they all they create them. They create them, and and just like we, uh, you know, in in the OTA and periphery and everything else, we continually recreate them. We continually re- recreate the gods and the angels, and and. Uh, uh, so we shouldn't be ashamed of this. And and I, the, I, I really what, could I could I interject for a second, Poke? Is that uh, yeah, go, yeah, when Barden's go, talking go. when Barden talks about the elemental or the elements, he's really talking about the tatwas, which are the uh, you know fire, water, air, earth, and you know Akasha. But what these really represent are something that can be seen, heard, felt, you know, tasted. Touched, so the the is the the imaginary equivalent of what our senses produce. So this is really what the the, the tetragrammaton formula really is a full uh, sensory experience in the imagination. But the the magician has to build up these elements or the imaginary aspects of the senses of the bodies of the deities. What, are, what is immortal of the deities is really the ideas that they represent, you know, um, those yeah. things that are eternal, that they can embody. The magician has to create the form, the sound, the, the touch, the taste, the sensual feeling of that deity in order for it to embody, to talk, 
to talk to it, to actually commune and, and communicate, you know, with the with that form. Would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, uh, the, here again, you know, we're uh, the, the, we run into these the problem with these people that uh, that uh, think they they either either they're pseudo Easterners or or in some case Easterners who who are against two things. They're against the mind. They want to they want to get rid of the mind and they want to get rid of the imagination. And those are the two most important things in the West. In Western magic, we extol the mind. We don't want to get rid of the mind. We extol the mind. The mind is 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 where we live. This is our this is this is who we are. Uh, is 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 we're 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 in the mind. And and our imagination is our power. That is our creative power. That's what we use. And so this whole side, oh, it's just your imagination. Oh, every time I hear that, it makes me it makes me cringe. You know, with these uh, some of these these Cartesians that that are just you know they <laughs> Philistines is a better word for them, uh, and, and and you might say, well, what do you got against Philistia? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, you know, no, no. The, the imagination of the magician. We create the gods. We create the goddesses. We give them the form. We give them the uh, the, the the and we give them the the glamour. We give them all, all of this. We create it for them, and and then we and then we in turn appreciate it and take it back from them. It's kind of a it's kind of a loop. Uh, and and uh, have you seen that, that? Have you seen that show, American Gods? Yet? I've been watching. Have you seen that show, American, American Gods? I've been watching American Gods, and I and and some some of it I find offensive, but but. But uh, yeah. and I, I, it's a, they, they've got some good ideas, but but uh, some of it, you know, I, I find some of it insulting. In, 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 and uh, right now we we're having, as we all know, a culture war, and and many of the aspects of of our culture, you know, fairy tales and and mythology and all that, are under attack. Uh, there, yeah. In fact, it. Uh, uh, we used to think when the when the culture war got started, we thought, oh well, well, we'll never see a Beowulf movie. Well, we've had two of them so far. One of them is pretty good, and uh, and uh, you know because uh, they, they there seemed to be a an onslaught, uh, you know, against against uh, uh, against the, the Celtic and the Nordic and and all of our different our 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 our. our, our Mythological traditions, but uh, uh, in classical paganism, which we are the heirs to, classical paganism uh, is is primarily the Greek gods, and uh, and and that, of course, periphery uh, centers on the Eleusinian mysteries. And uh, uh, Lady Joe, are you still with us? I am. Oh, good. Talk about the other Sidian mysteries in this respect, because this is, this is uh, you know, the, the Eleusinian mysteries recently came in for a, a culture war attack uh, because of the, the, the so-called, uh, you know, oh well, they, uh, they're taking, they're taking uh, LSD, uh, you know, and, and so that discredits them, and I don't think it does. Uh, you know, you want to, you want to uh, talk about, uh, talk about the periphery and the Eleusinian mysteries a little bit. Explain that to us. Sure. Um, 
many people have many ideas on what the substance was, which was, in fact, ingested by people there uh, at the height of the experience. And I've heard a lot of good arguments for mushrooms and not such good arguments for LSD, to be honest, because it hadn't been developed yet, <laughs> and uh, forms of ergot, and there's some other things, too. But the bottom line is we really don't know what they took. And there were so many things that were set up prior to them getting to that point in terms of the journey to get there, the dedication, um, the all-night-long dancing while they're looking it into the well of the mysteries where the stars were reflected, you know, from the sky into the well, and they were, like, looking at these stars and circling around them. All of these things added up to a tremendous mindset of expectation. So it's almost like they wouldn't have hardly needed any substance at all. And on the other hand, I kind of think in a way that it wasn't a terribly mind-altering substance because even children were welcome and pregnant women were welcome at the Eleusinian Mysteries. And in 2,000 years of Eleusinian Mysteries being celebrated, I heard zero reports of anybody ever going psychotic or having, like, you know, a deformed fetus or any other kind of weird aberration. In fact, nothing like that happened, or I'm sure we would have heard about it. So I think really, to be honest, that whatever was given was a very mild substance, just enough to put them into a slightly more receptive state of mind. And there's a lot of substances that could do that. Um, but I don't think it makes sense to discredit this whole beautiful process that people dedicated a large proportion of their fortunes as well as their time to experiencing um, because perhaps some substance was used. That, that's just not enough in my mind to discredit it at all. It's just part of the larger picture of what they were doing. What I was mainly referring to is there's a, a recent book that I that I just uh, that I just picked up called uh, the Psychedelic Gospel, and and uh, this is it's really a uh, it's it's an anthropologist couple. And and uh, they're both obviously cultural Marxists, and they and they they were were uh, first they wanted to attack Wyatt, uh, Gordon Wasson, uh, basically because he was and they were attacking him because he was a preacher's son, and and he didn't want to uh, and he and he didn't want to uh, discuss Samanita in relation to Christianity uh, because he was a preacher's son. And yet he was the great authority on Amanita or self styled or whatever. So they want to attack him for that. And uh <laughs> they completely ignored all of the all of the evidence that Clark Heinrich had come up with that both the that the uh the Jewish prophets had probably been, been taking a little Amanita too. And uh uh they they wanted to ignore that, but and they, uh, they, their main idea, they, they went after the Eleusinian mysteries, uh, uh, you know, with the idea that this was this was uh, an ergot-based uh, uh, LSD effect kind of a uh, thing. But what you're pointing out is is that no, nobody was ever hurt by it, and certainly if it was as, if it was anything as powerful as LSD, they, they would have had casualties, and and there would have been been ancient, uh, there would have been, you know. There would have been evidence of it, so I, I, you know, I agree. I think that they, that it probably wasn't, it probably wasn't as powerful. Whatever it was, it wasn't as powerful as LSD. But there is one thing about the Eleusinian mysteries that, uh, whatever it was that they revealed, people, people were really, really awed. Every everyone that 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 attended those, including including emperors and and. And kings, and they were just awed by 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 what about the revelations. 
And, and in fact, the revelation couldn't have been more powerful because what they came out with at the end was that they no longer feared death, and you can't find right. anything anywhere more powerful than to have that result. That's right. Can I ask, would you say that assuming the God forms would lead to um, that kind of realization of uh, no fear of death? I'm just curious myself. Interesting. I've never thought about it that way. What do you think, Pope? I personally, you know, personally, I think that does, that does agree. You know, uh, uh, I had a... uh, I had a lady friend, and I've you know, a number of them, of course, over the years. And I had a lady friend who was very, very skeptical, and and all of this sort of thing. And and uh, I took her to a lecture one time. Pat Zaleski was giving a lecture, and Pat Zaleski got on the subject of reincarnation. And uh, so we we spent about half a lecture talking about it. He spent about half a lecture talking about reincarnation, and and I you know I was agreeing with him and all that. Uh, and so when we were driving home, uh, this this lady kind of spat at me. You know, she actually sort of spit at She said, why do you people believe reincarnation? As if it was ridiculous. And I told her, I said, well, look, you know, you know, go outside on a, on a nice clear night and look up at the stars in the Milky Way and all of that and realize uh, the, the immense, the immense power and 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 the, the vast and the vast complexity and power of the universe and the, and God and the God who created it, and then ask yourself if if God can give me another life, why shouldn't I ask for it? And why shouldn't I believe in it? Because if I don't ask for it and I don't believe in it. Maybe he won't give me one, so it's certainly worth worth it, to, you know. And for him to take it, it's worth believing. And and she got mad at me. She didn't have an answer for this. She couldn't. She couldn't. You know, there was no way because it was a logical argument. She couldn't refute. So that's it. And then you know, and I go, well, you can call it bhakti yoga if you want to, but because belief is, uh, you know, uh, bhakti yoga is the yoga of belief. But what the heck? I want to believe it because I want I want an afterlife, and so so yeah. So uh, I'm I'm uh, I'm I'm not going to say I don't believe in it because if I say I don't believe in it, then I'm not allowed to get one. <laughs> All right, that is your question. <laughs> okay, on that yeah, note, on that note, I think we're about out of time. And thanks, thanks so much, uh, thanks so much, uh, uh, Lady Anne, Lady Joe. And John, and, and this has been a really fascinating discussion, and and we're certainly going to adopt uh, some of these ideas, John, and and, and and some of these and some of this this work is going to be in the next book, you know, in the, in the second yoga book. Thanks again, guys. Meanwhile, good magic. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.